Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, beginning at verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, For that reason I tell you, stop worrying about your life, about what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Certainly life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no warehouse or barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? And who of you by worrying can add a single moment to his lifespan? Since you are not able to do this little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not constantly chase after what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not be worried about it. To be sure, the nations of the world chase after all of these things, but your Father knows that you need them. Instead, continue to seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, because your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not become old, a treasure in the heavens that will not fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Your fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who is the most potent anti-anxiety medication. When you are really stressed out, when you're really anxious, when you're really worried about something, What's the last thing you want to hear someone tell you? And I'm not talking about something silly that you might be anxious about, like if the Packers are going to make that game-winning field goal or if your party's going to get rained out today. But when you're seriously anxious about really serious things, when your child wakes up with a, a, a spiked fever in the middle of the night, when you lose your job when you're concerned about a grandchild that may be wandering away from the faith, when the doctors don't seem to have any answers, when you can certainly start to feel that the cold hand of death is reaching up for you or someone you love, when you're really, really anxious and worried about those things that are outside of your control, what's the last thing you want to hear? Just don't worry about it. How do you want to respond when someone tells you that? Maybe you don't say this, but you think it. Just shut up. It doesn't do any good for someone to tell you not to worry when you're already worried, does it? It just increases your anxiety. You just want to tell them to shut up. We'll have to hold ourselves back, though, today, because it's not just anyone telling us to not worry. It's Jesus telling us, commanding us, really. It's a command. It's an imperative. He's saying, do not continue worrying about these things. But unlike anyone else who may tell us those words, Jesus has the power to alleviate, to solve, to fix our anxiety. Jesus commands something this seriously. It must be a serious matter, right? Why is anxiety and worry such a serious thing? Well, we could point to countless studies that have documented how detrimental anxiety and worry are to people's heads and hearts and bodies and lives 
and families. Ours is a very anxious society. It's probably no coincidence that among the, the leading drugs that are prescribed for people, anti-anxiety medications are, are up there towards the top. And among over-the-counter drugs that people are searching for and maybe even take on a daily basis are, are heartburn or, or stomach disorder drugs and drugs to help you sleep at night. All the result of anxiety, right? Anxiety destroys our, our heads, our, our stomachs, our sleep. But I'm not a doctor and I'm not a psychologist and you're not here to hear about the physical or psychological impact of worry and anxiety on your life. Far more serious than those is the spiritual impact. Anxiety is, when you get down to it, idolatry. It is the worship that we carry out towards the things or the people or this other things of this world that we think will, will give us what we need for daily life, whether that be health or wealth or happiness or identity or a place to belong. And, and it has a liturgy. This worship of this idol called anxiety has a liturgy. You're probably as familiar with it as I am. This liturgy consists of, of headaches and heartache and ulcers and restless days and sleepless nights. That's the, the worship, the liturgy that we pay to this idol called anxiety. And it ends up eating us from the inside out. Anxiety truly can be called a cancer of the soul. This is a serious matter that Jesus is bringing up here. How did we get here, though? Remember last week, Jesus told to the crowds the parable of the rich fool who gathered up and, and built bigger barns for all of his stuff, thinking, I can live on this for the rest of my life, eat, drink, and be merry. And then the Lord said, you fool, tonight your soul is going to be taken from you. And then Jesus said, you should gather up treasures towards God and not just treasures in this world. And, and now Jesus, as our text says, is turning away from the crowds, the greater crowds, and turning toward his disciples. And he's kind of providing a commentary on that parable of the rich fool. He's explaining exactly what it means in the life of a believer. Because Jesus knew what we're going through. He, he knew how tempted we would be to be like that rich fool and focus completely on the things of this life because naturally it's our livelihood. If we don't have certain things, we fear that we won't be able to survive. We won't be able to provide. And so that anxiety rises up inside of us. And so Jesus attacks this idol head on. He says, for, for that reason, I tell you, stop worrying about your life, about what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Why not? Certainly life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Well, that's pretty bulletproof logic, right? Bread is important. Food is important. It energizes and sustains life, but it is not life itself. People die every day surrounded by more food than they could ever eat. Or your clothes. You are not what you wear. It doesn't matter what social media or the fashion industry tells you. You are more than what you wear. You are not your clothes. I disagree with that old adage that says the, the clothing makes the man. I would say the man makes the clothing. The body is more than clothes. And Jesus goes on to prove how illogical anxiety and worry are. How they just don't make any sense. He says, consider the ravens. 
They do not sow or reap. They have no warehouse or barn, and yet God feeds them. It's kind of interesting that Jesus picks out a raven here of all the different birds. For one, ravens were considered unclean by the Israelites. They were scavengers, and so the Israelites could have nothing to do with them. They were totally useless as far as a food source for the Israelites, but also, you know that scavengers don't actually do anything for their food. They don't sow it, they, and they, they don't hardly reap it. All they do is show up by a carcass and get their food that way. And so Jesus takes a totally worthless bird of the air and he says, look, even this worthless bird God provides for. Or the, the lilies of the field, the flowers of the field. Uh, Jesus says, they do not labor or spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. The flowers of the field don't spend hours online trying to find that perfect article of clothing at the perfect price. They don't walk around with wads of coal cash in their pockets. They don't have walk-in closets larger than many third world homes. And they're stuck right where they're planted, right? All they can do is trust that God will provide and receive what he does provide for them. Both the birds and the flowers are a picture of faith, that they don't worry about hoarding things for tomorrow because they must trust that the Lord will provide what they need day by day. So gathering up these illustrations, Jesus makes this grand conclusion. He says, if this is how God clothes the grass in the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not constantly chase after what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not be worried about it. You kind of a little bit just want to say, oh, would you just shut up? It's easier said than done, right? Don't worry about it, but consider again the logic of it. What does anxiety do for you? What does it bring into your life? Does it put food on the table? Does it clothe you or your children? Can it extend your life by one second? It may shorten your life. I don't know. That's not really possible. Psalm 31 says our times are in God's hands, so we, we will die right on God's timing, but it certainly doesn't add anything to our life except maybe heartache and, and heartburn and headaches and sleepless nights and restless days. It certainly doesn't add anything to our lives. That makes sense, right? At least up here, we get that. It makes sense that First of all, the God who takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, he's certainly going to take care of us, the crown of his creation, right? And it makes sense. We understand it. Intellectually, anyway, that anxiety is totally pointless. That worry doesn't benefit us at all. It brings nothing positive into our lives. So why do we continue to worry? Well, Jesus has a diagnosis in his question, right? He says... You of little faith. Our anxiety is symptomatic of our little faith and the largeness of our disbelief or our unbelief. It reveals how little we believe in the promises of God. And that's the part that really doesn't make any sense, does it? We're here because we trust in God for the big things, right? The things that are so big that we can't even wrap our minds around them, much less achieve them. We are here because we believe that God alone can grant us the forgiveness of sins, life, and eternal salvation in heaven. And 
We don't really have an issue worrying about those things too much, do we? Because there's literally nothing we can do about them. There's no way we could achieve them. It's kind of like, I, I, I think, you know, when you get on a plane, you kind of just leave the flying to the pilot, right? Because what's the alternative? You have no idea what you're doing. So we leave the big things to God. We trust that He will take care of those big eternal things, but then why does it follow that we don't trust Him for the small things, the day-to-day essentials of life? Why are we so anxious and worried about them? Well, first of all, it's because we lack true repentance in this regard. Stick with me here. I think because we understand that everyone worries I don't think any of you would would disagree with my introduction where I said, why did you look so worried today? I don't think any of us would be bold enough to say, I'm not worried about a thing. I would think you're either unconscious or asleep to make that argument. But we, we understand that everybody worries, and so we're tempted to think, well, it's not that big of a deal. Big of a deal. If if everyone does it, it can't be that bad, right? I think. We sometimes fail to understand that anxiety is a sin against the very first commandment. It is idolatry, the very worst kind of idolatry. It is elevating ourselves to the position where God should be in our hearts and in our lives. It is thinking that we have control over everything, that simply by our anxiety, by our willing something to be so, we can make it happen, which is not true. That is only true of God. And when we think that way, when we think we have control over things that we clearly don't. We are really idolaters. We are worshiping ourselves in the place of the one true God. And that's a a sin that's no less serious than the sin that Satan committed that got him thrown out of heaven and banished to hell forever. It's a form of pride. It's faith in me rather than faith in God. Anxiety and worry are serious sins for which we must Repent. But, but that's just one side of the coin, the, the first half of repentance, confessing that sin. The other half, I think we lack as well, that faith in God's promises, trust that he actually loves us and will take care of us. The Lord tells us here, it's so tempting to go along with the nations, the unbelieving nations, and chase after these things, and to totally forget that our Heavenly Father knows that we need them. Do we really believe that? Or do we think that our daily provisions are up to our own blood, sweat, and tears? That's a promise you can stake your life on. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. More than anything in the world, you can trust that. Even if you can't see it right now. Even if you can't see how you're going to put food on the table tomorrow. Or where the next paycheck is going to come from. Or how you're going to pay for your children's schooling. Or how you're ever going to be able to retire because inflation has just destroyed your nest egg. Those are things you can't see. But you have the Lord's promise that he will provide for you day by day. It's still a problem though. Because this has kind of been an intellectual exercise, right? So, so first of all, Jesus makes a point that if, if our Heavenly Father cares for the birds and the flowers, he's going to care for us. I mean, it would be like a, a, a parent taking care of the the lawn and the, the dishes and the laundry, but then just letting their ki- children go hungry. No, no parent would do that. It, it makes perfect intellectual sense that worry doesn't do any good. I mean, 
by definition, worry and anxiety deals with something that we don't have control over. It doesn't do any good to worry about. We know that we should confess our sin of anxiety and worry as idolatry, and we know that we should trust in the Lord to provide. We know those promises. But what doesn't go away, even going through that intellectual exercise? The worry and the anxiety. They're still there, right? Just like in the introduction where I said, when, someone tell, when you're worried and anxious and someone tells you, don't worry about it, it doesn't help. It's because the law can diagnose the problem. The law can show us how foolish the sin of anxiety is. The law can even tell us, don't worry, don't look to yourself, but look to God and his promises. But it doesn't give us the power to do that. It doesn't actually take away our anxiety. So what is the answer? What is the perfect prescription for anxiety? Let's rewind and go back to the, the birds and the flowers one more time. Just because they are pictures of faith, of receiving what God gives them day by day, doesn't mean that birds or flowers are lazy, right? Even the ravens, they are busy every day flying around, gathering in, receiving the blessings and nourishment that God wants to give them. The flowers, they reach their roots down into the soil and their petals up towards the heavens to receive the sunshine and the moisture that God gives them to survive. They're not lazy, and neither is faith. Faith ought not be lazy. It is living and active. And Jesus says that faith is living and active in a couple of ways. Actually, two ways. But in other words, what I'm trying to say here with the, the fact that faith is living and active is, is similar to an illustration that I heard from a pastor just a couple weeks ago. And he said, basically, any kind of sin can be illustrated like an, like an empty cup. And the question is, how do you get the air out of that cup? I mean, you can blow in it, and, and there's still air in there. You can tip it over. You can't get the air out of that cup. The only way to get the air out of that cup is to fill it up with something else. And in this case, the only way to get rid of the anxiety, which is a total emptiness, a total idolatry in our hearts that leaves us nothing but empty and depressed, is to fill it up with someone else, something else. And so Jesus points us in two directions. Instead of, here's the irony, instead, to the, the cure for anxiety is instead of worrying about the wrong things, worry about the right thing, or focus on the right things. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. Well, two questions arise. What is the kingdom of God and, and how do we seek it? The kingdom of God is not a nation with borders and kings and laws and soldiers. It is the rule of God in our hearts through word and sacrament. And that rule focuses us on, on just one person, on Jesus. Now, if you want to talk about reasons to be anxious and concerned, didn't Jesus have everyone that we do? To all appearances, to all the world, he was born out of wedlock. He could have been concerned about his reputation and his name, but he wasn't worried about that. Shortly after his baptism, he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to starve, to literally starve for 40 days. And he says that even during his lifetime, he never really had a place to lay his head. He didn't have a home. He could have worried about his day-to-day -day sustenance, but he didn't worry about that. He could be worried like so many of us are 
about a friend or a family member that we know who is drifting away from the faith. Jesus could have worried about his disciples because he knew how severely they would be tempted, but he didn't worry about them. What did he do instead? He prayed for them. Simon, Simon, Satan seeks to sift you like dust, but I have prayed for you, Simon. Jesus knew, unlike any of us, exactly how much he would suffer and when exactly he would die And he could have worried about that, but what did he do instead? He dropped down to his knees and poured out his feelings to his heavenly Father. Jesus had every reason to worry that we do, and yet he did not. And now that perfect life, that perfect worry-free life is yours. When God, your Father, looks at you, he does not see a little idolater who by their anxiety is trying to knock God off of his throne in our hearts. He sees only Jesus' perfect worry-free life. And when that king of not worrying took all of our worries and our concerns and our anxieties and carried them to the cross where he not only went hungry, but he didn't even have anything to drink. He cried out because of his thirst. Where they stripped him of his clothes so that unlike the flowers of the field, he had nothing that would attract us to him. He gave us the kingdom. He earned for us the kingdom. He earned everything that God wants us to have. That Everything that will fill up that, that empty cup to, to get rid of the anxiety in our hearts. Jesus won for us on the cross and he says the forgiveness of sins, new life now, and salvation are yours. My, you are my father's. You are my father's little flock that he will take care of day by day watching over you because he loves you. Fill up your heart with that and you won't have any room to be anxious or worried. I said that uh, faith is active and it's active in two different directions. Uh, Jesus closes out by saying, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide bags for yourselves that do not become old, a treasure in the heavens that will not fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Now it might seem counterintuitive, if you're worried about not having enough to give away what you do have. But the the second sentence explains the first, doesn't it? If you really want to get at that anxiety idol, if you really want to shove it out of your life, shove it out of your heart, give something away. Because by your charity and your generosity, you are proving that you trust in the Lord, that you trust his promise to provide for you day by day by day. You are saying to anxiety, get out of my life. I don't need to worry about my life or my body or my clothes or my shelter or my food. God is worried about that. I can give it away. When you, when you treat the possessions that God puts into your life like you would air, you know, you use it and, and let it go. Or like water, you drink it and then you let it go. When you can treat your possessions like that, then you are demonstrating in your life, you're exercising your faith and showing to yourself, most importantly, you're showing yourself, my treasure is really in heaven. And then your heart will eventually follow. That's that's the difficulty of just the intellectual exercise, right? We know how stupid worrying is. We know how it doesn't accomplish anything, how it's a sin, but our hearts are so slow to follow. But when you fill yourself up with the kingdom, when you seek out God's kingdom, first of all, and you do that by coming here, remember your baptism, which is your passport, 
which proves that you are a resident of the kingdom of God. When you hear the absolution in which Jesus rips off the, the tattered robes of your anxiety and your worry and gives you his fabulous robe of righteousness, when you receive the Lord's Supper here, which is food that will never expire and never perish and never run out, you are filling yourself up with the good things, the promises of God, the kingdom of God, and there won't be any room for anxiety then. I don't know about you, but if I'm worried and anxious about something and someone says, just don't worry about it. I really want to tell them to just shut up and go away because that is not helpful. But today Jesus can say, just don't worry about it. Because he, properly, he helps us properly diagnose the issue that anxiety is a sin. It is idolatry. But he also gives us the, the proper solution, the perfect prescription. That is to, after we have emptied ourselves through confession of all our anxiety and all of our worries and laid them at Jesus' feet to be forgiven, then we fill ourselves up with the unbreakable promises of God. Now that's not to say that when you walk back out those doors, there won't be all sorts of reasons to be anxious. It just means you don't have to worry about it. Amen.